because yeah, we, we all want to be like, I want my ideal body, you know, right now. I'm gonna go like, I'm gonna go exercise right now. Make this happen. I'm gonna diet. Like, no, don't do any of that. Eat a little bit less every day. Mm-hmm. Exercise a little bit more every day, and then do that for ten years. Yeah. Right? <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to episode 209 of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast Butterscotch Shenanigans. I'm Seth and I'm the games programmer. I'm Adam and I heard you stumble over that one. I'm yeah. Sam and I'm wiggling around. Hey, this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is Jubilee. Oh, it's 20, one of my favorite ones. 2019. Before we get started, we have a warning. Swears. Swears. There's going to be swears. Is it Jubilee like a whale's mouth? Yeah, yes. getting all that plank. Yeah. That plank. Get, get <laughs> tons what, of plank. That's, that's, what the, those whales. that's what the millennial whales call uh, plank. Gotta get that plank. Well, it's also, <laughs> I think it's nice to reduce it because they eat tons of plankton. So that's why true. not just call it? Plank. If you're just going to have tons one or plank. two planks yeah. and not a whole ton, then, you know. Just call them a plank. Yeah. A lot of the millennial whales are doing intermittent fasting. So they'll just have a plank, maybe two, mm. three planks. <laughs> uh, wait, wait 12 hours. Wait 12 hours. And, and then, then you have, then you have a, a two or three planktons. Yeah. That's how you. That's how you do it. Uh, also, we'd like to thank our <laughs> recurring supporters over at MoneyGrab.BeastGash.net. Thank you for your generous donations to keep our uh, mics hot. Very toasty. Yeah, don't touch them. The, you'll burn. You'll burn your lips. Yep. Let's talk about life. Uh, the one big news event is that our local sports team, the St. Louis Blues, Blues. hockey team. I think, and it's blues for the the music style. The sad music about sad things. Yeah, <laughs> it's not sad per se, but it's the style. Style. Yeah, yeah. It's not, <laughs> it's not sad music by default. But it's, sorry, it's about life being hard. Sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's our sports team. That's our hockey you team. You would usually call it uplifting. No, you wouldn't. <laughs> the blues isn't for for pepping up. It is a up. it is a hilarious mascot. Is that the right word? It's a note. Note. Yeah, the, My, the label or the logos and it's, 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 it's literally the blues style of music is yeah. the sports. My uh, my college, whatever you call it, mascot. I don't know what the right words mm-hmm. are, but my college thing was the maroons. Just the color. Just, just the, the color. color. I've heard of a <laughs> you know? I've heard of a high school sports team uh, called the ceramics because there was a ceramics factory in the town. <laughs> And they're like, what's the material? It's but it's, the, but <laughs> a ceramic, at least like, you can think of a ceramic object. That like then a you toilet. Can, that's no, the not, a, no toilet. not an object, just the material. Just ceramic. The ceramic. As a, as a thing you it's make toilets sturdy, out of. You know, it's a ceramic is substance. sturdy unless you tap it a little bit. And then it just crumbles. It shatters all over the place. But yeah, the Blues won. They the won. Stanley Cup. And the Stanley Cup, as rad. I understand it, is the best cup. It's like the Super Bowl ring <laughs> of <laughs> hockey. How does this compare to cups in Mario Kart? It's, it's the, like the most like it's the star, star, it's star, the star cup, star cup, hundred fifty cc sort of situation. Is it yeah, this one's this is a two hundred cc. Yeah, modern Max, Mario Kart okay. goes all the way up there. It's a little faster. Yeah. yeah, my wife and I watched the final game uh, last whenever it was last week, week sometime. And by God, hockey is the coolest sport. <laughs> It's these huge dudes. If you just like gladiator ship. Yeah. It's basically just these huge dudes. Uh, monster. Monster, monster boys. Man, but with with exquisite grace, which is just an interesting combo to start with. They move like angels. And they're just and covered in feet each other. of padding. Yeah. Just covered in armor and just hitting each other. And then my favorite part, which was they they would break a stick. Like every couple of minutes, someone shattered a stick by hitting someone with it, basically, in the course of trying to get a puck. And the stick would just sort of break and explode. Just splinters everywhere. Game does not stop. 
hockey player just scoots by the side of the rink and someone just gives him one. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's debris on the field. Yep. People are bleeding. People are bleeding a lot. There's fights. I was like, this is, I totally get it. This is awesome. Super fun yeah. to watch. And these people are moving fast. Yeah. Because you can skate a lot faster than you can run. And you have momentum, right? It's like when you're running. Yeah, as you soon can't as you, stop nearly as fast yeah, as you can normally stop. you're running, you stop moving your legs, you're done now. You're not running mm-hmm. anymore. As soon as you're skating, if you're, if you're a 300 well, pound. If you, if you just stop your legs, you will fall over. But you'll only fall over kind of just like. Yes. Right where you stop. Man, you get that inertia on those ice skates. They go fast and they just keep going fast. Yeah. All the way into the walls, into other people. It's great. It was unbelievable. We were talking the other day about how how sports are iteratively designed, Mm -hmm. right? Because they evolve over time. Uh, so they originally start with, you know, a couple of people just hitting a thing around or something like that. Or hitting each other around. Right. Uh, and then, and then leagues form and then people have to start cementing the rules and then adding rules and and adding things like. And then people cheat. Safety equipment. Change the rules a little bit. You got to get referees in there. And then Mm -hmm. pretty soon you've got a televised uh, sporting event, you know? And I feel like, I feel like hockey is probably a really good example of how you probably couldn't design a, a sport wholesale from the ground up. Because if you pitched the idea of hockey to somebody, like, all right, we need like 20, 250-pound guys. Mm-hmm. Just the biggest dudes you can think <laughs> This of. thing is on ice, okay? Yep. We're going to get them on skates. We're going to teach them to be graceful like ballerinas, <laughs> yep. okay? They're going to be going real fast. They're going to hit each other. They're allowed to fight. That's just a thing that gets to happen, <laughs> right? Then we're going to give them sticks made of wood so they, they can still break <laughs> over each other's bodies yep. at, at sometimes, okay? Then they got to use these sticks to gracefully maneuver a tiny, tiny disc mm-hmm. that is not a ball. It's a disc. Mm-hmm. It's very slick and It'll very heavy. Slides heavy, so it's so so small you can't see it from the stands, but heavy enough that if it hits you, you die. Okay? <laughs> so, so this is so they're gonna weave around, and hit this mm-hmm. thing, and then there's gonna be one man standing in front of a tiny rope net, in full body armor, in full body armor. <laughs> And you, and they're going to use their wood sticks to hit the murder disc uh-huh. as hard as they can toward this one guy. And his job is to be hit by <laughs> the murder disc. Yep. Otherwise, you get a point. Mm-hmm. If you pitch it as a game design document. That sounds awesome, actually. It does. Actually, yeah, it sounds pretty good. I think, I think as but I feel a, like as soon as you said enterprise. that, 30 lawyers would just appear yeah. out of the ether and they'd be like, absolutely not. We can't no, can no, do any of this. We cannot do any of yep. these things. Not even a single one of these things. Yeah, I, I think you have to kind of grandfather everything in. So it's like kind of before before lawyers had enough power, you know, mm-hmm. hockey came oh, to be. Oh, that's true. And then you just add a little piece at a time and then lawyers don't notice, you know, mm-hmm. so it's like a boiling the frog. It's really nice. It's a link to our past, you know, in a really powerful, beautiful way. Yeah, but yeah. There was it's a so beautiful. there was a parade on Saturday, <laughs> which we weren't in town for. But apparently, everybody else was in town for it. Mm-hmm. Seth, you said half a million and a half people apparently showed that up. That seems that seems high because there's three million people <laughs> in the entire St. Louis area, including all of the suburbs and everything. Mm-hmm. So just half of people showed up from this region went there. That's awesome. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot. Apparently, the place was. <laughs> Fairly well trashed. Nice. The place meaning all of downtown St. Louis. <laughs> yep. um, I don't think there was looting, though. Yeah, I don't think any either. shops were destroyed, as mm-hmm. far as I It's understand. just the usual destruction that comes from having too many people in one place. At one Which time. is mostly litter. Yeah. It's trash. It's pee. You know, yeah. just all that People got to let loose. People got it, probably. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. congrats. So uh, good job. Good job, the blues. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, maybe, uh, maybe maybe you'll be a little more uplifted now than usual. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe change your name to, change to pop music. Yeah, something St. Louis R and B or mm-hmm. something. I guess that's also blues. That's what the B is for. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yep. uh, let's get on to some <laughs> studio news. Let's talk about Level Head. So this week is Patch Week. Uh, so this this past week and a half now that we've been working on the mm-hmm. patch, um, we've been able to take some time to work on some stuff that's been kind of on the back burner for a long time. Uh, Cause now that we're on the two week patch schedule, we can do some bigger things. So, uh, so this time around we got curved paths on the campaign, smooth as butter. You can now on the campaign screen, you can see just nice smooth movements mm-hmm. and stuff instead of these awkward corners that took three days. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't, Seems trivial, but I don't like things. that it took three days, but it did. Uh, so that definitely ate into you some did time. learn a lot about busier curves though. I did, and actually, and now you the, have that. And actually, those curves was that was the easy part. The hard part was optimization and and then like redoing the whole system to allow for those curves. Um, so that's in there. We have a new uh, item called a relay. So this item allows you to take a signal from one switch ID and send it to another switch ID. So now you can actually have uh, far more elaborate logic gates and various ways to connect your machines in your levels. I will warn you. As soon as you start using these, you'll be confused because yeah. this is what happens. As soon as you go two layers deep on logic chains, you just got to be real focused. Otherwise, you'll lose it. It's yeah. just like it's like a butterfly. And I know that I know that some of our people were already using spreadsheets to keep track of their switch systems. You'll have to use spreadsheets to track your spreadsheets. You're gonna need your you're gonna need 3D spreadsheets. Yeah. You're gonna have to go. You got your 2D spreadsheet, and then you've got multiple layers There's, of spreadsheets. These are spread cubes. Spread cubes. But it does allow you to do all sorts of great stuff. So the easiest example is, uh, you know, previously you'd have a proximity switch, and you could only tie that to like a door or something like that. Um, but with something like the relay in place, you can make it so that once the proximity switch sees one and locks down, then then that sends a signal to do X, Y, and Z to a couple different things, uh, even other switches and stuff like that. Yeah, because of the relay. So, so so it basically allows you to be more specific. So you can say like, this door only listens to this one pressure plate, but this other thing listens to this pressure plate and a bunch of other yes. stuff too, right? Because yeah. now you can redirect, you can channel other switch eddies. Um, so I'm really curious to see what kinds of wacky shit comes out of this because it really blows open the door on, on some of these. Yeah. Um, so that's going to happen. We got a new tile set coming, Mm -hmm. uh, which is rickety wood. Yeah. Rickety wood. And the big thing we saw was that, uh, the main request we were having across sort of all of the feedback we're getting from what people wanted in in an environment piece, uh, was something that resembled a, a structure in the sense that like it was a purposely built structure made by presumably people or you know something aliens aliens um which are also people let's be let's be real and so we looked around we said okay let's do uh let's do a like a fun wood structure because it's always a great place to start as far as some of these uh terrain bits and bobs and so it fits well with the jungle which is the first uh biome too and then uh so what we did then is it'll be available once you unlock it across all the biomes it works just like the concrete does which basically lets you do it lets you build little you know weird cabins and houses essentially around your level which is super fun and the weird thing about it is as soon as we put it in uh, we did two things one is we introduced a new tile concept essentially for how the how the context where terrain works which is called roof which you know people know what a roof is but essentially how it works terrain wise is that if there's open air above it and then a background tile below it that is also of wood then it transforms into a little thatched roof thing and so it adds this really nice feel to it because there's actually a known tops and bottoms to 
the things that you're working in. And so it feels like a little made space, which is really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So our, our context aware tile system was only ever context aware relative to other solid tiles. Mm-hmm. But this new tile set looks for other tiles and background tiles. Yeah. So now it changes to be an indoor or an outdoor space, depending on what's going on, what's going on around it, which is it's pretty pretty rad. Well, it's weird because like, as cool. soon as we dropped, you know, as, as it did take a long time to build it, similar to the curved paths things, where it's like, well, it took three days. I don't like that it took three days, but it did. Um, and then we get in there to you know knock around and build one of these things, and uh, yeah, you get the feel, and then if you if you combine the feel of that with something like the zoomer and the jukebox, and you can have a scenario where you know. You have this intense playthrough happening and then you like wander into what feels like a home. The music changes. It zooms in a little bit. It's kind of cozy. Yeah. And then you head out of the house. Like it's your- no, we don't have a crackling fire yet. We don't. No, but but if you Some think about – oh, yeah. and we also have windows that you can put, oh, yeah, put into, the, yeah. uh, into your house and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so – when we were looking at some of the levels made, uh, especially earlier on with things like the like Quantum Anomalies Traveler Town Trial, mm-hmm. where he was – he basically made a, a level that was – you would sort of have like a home base that was like a little town. And then you would venture out into the wilderness and fight stuff and then go back to town. Um, but not having a sort of like handmade structure tile set available made it so that it was kind of hard to to – like very thematically create that feeling of being in a town, you know? So this is going to be, now you got it. I think, I think this is one of those things that doesn't seem like a big deal. Cause it's not mechanical, right? Like you're not going to be able to do new things in the game because of this tile set. But you create new feelings. Yeah. And it actually, it changes everything. Um, it's kind of like the, the camera controls and then that kind of stuff. Um, so we have that coming. Uh, and then we also have uh, the ability to just place enemy droppables out in the world. So this was a big request. This has actually been going for quite a long time, pretty much since day one. Mm-hmm. Whenever you defeat larger enemies, they drop special items. And those items do different things, and they only last a little while. Um, so maybe you defeat a Vakarat, you get a stake, you can throw that stake and damage an enemy with it. So it becomes a like weapon projectile. Uh, or you defeat a Popjaw, you get its belt buckle medallion thing, and now you can throw that to teleport yourself. So these are all really interesting mechanics, but it was limiting to use them because in order to have those mechanics, you had to put a boss fight Somewhere, in your level. Right. Right? Um, so we've updated now so that now you have access to all of those items and you can just put them out in the world. And now you can set up really interesting scenarios without demanding the player be an elite ninja warrior mm-hmm. uh, in order to get access to those things. So that's kind of the, cool. that's kind of the core of what we have going on. Uh, we got a bunch of other stuff. And in order to make some of these things uh, feasible – We've had to update a bunch of the game systems as well. Yeah. So, for example, like having all these extra tiles available meant we had to finally uh, update the editor because we just ran out of space. Like there was no more room at the top for us to put new items. Mm-hmm. So we had to develop this concept of variance where you click a thing and you can it pops down a drop down menu and you can select uh, alternative uh, things to put in there. So it's been a lot of uh, a lot of rework of existing stuff in the game to well, make this is it, why they to prepare time. it for the future. Yeah, this is why the extra time is required because it's it's there's something as simple as saying like, oh yeah, we'd like I like a, a horizontal door, for example, which is something people ask for all the time, which is a door that you fall through instead of walk through side to side. Yeah. But the reality of actually getting that into the game requires updating several other systems in tandem with that. And so basically, the the, the extra time in terms of uh, you know those two week patch games we're currently on makes it so we can actually tackle a few of these things otherwise we literally prepare for the future yeah yeah because also people say i want a horizontal door so we would put one and then people would say hey 
how come I don't have a horizontal golden door? Yep. How come I don't have a horizontal battle door, et cetera, et cetera? So if all we do is just add more doors to the, the bar at the top, now we got four new slots taken up, and now everything is extending off the edges of the screen, and then it's just a nightmare, right? Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, a lot of these systems just require us to to take a step back, update Overall core game systems, and then move forward. So that's what this past couple of weeks have been. I'm really excited about this patch. I think it's going to be super good. Be good. Uh, let's talk about E3. Um, so for starters, Cadence of Hyrule dropped, mm-hmm. which actually I don't know if they even really talked about that at E3, frankly. <laughs> did they? They showed it. But yeah. they, they launched it. it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it came out on the 13th. So did you play it, Adam? I played it on launch day. My wife and I played it that evening. Um, and I haven't gotten to play it since because we were out on family vacation stuff. But uh, it feels great. Well, essentially what it is, just to back it up, is uh, it's Crypt of the Necrodancer, which is a rhythm-based combat game. Yeah, it's just one of my favorite games. It's just, um, it feels so good to play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it was made by the same team, mm-hmm. but with the, like, in the Zelda franchise. Right? And, and Danny Baranowski did the music. Mm-hmm. Yep. He's like a big indie composer. Mm-hmm. And yeah, apparently it's just pretty phenomenal. It's awesome. It's but great. also very hard. Yeah, well, in Crypt of the Necrodancer, I also found very hard, but a lot of it is because all the everything's happening on the beat. And then every enemy has some sort of behavior that's also happening on the beat. And so if you if you don't really learn what they're going to do and then you need to like play – it's sort of like playing chess but in on a beat. But on a beat, right? Because you don't want to jump at them on the wrong beat and then get – Right, because right. they, be, they might be doing a wind-up for some move or something. And, and, they, and their moves might be a given area of attack or you – know, mm-hmm. you know, so you have to like really know what all these enemies are going to do. And then you have to plan ahead of time because you have to look at where the enemy is, where you are where it's going to be and where you're going to be like on the beat if you were to move and then where its attack is going to be. Right. So it it ends up being very high cognitive load. It's very hard actually. (laughs) Uh, And the whole time I'm just like, my head's just bouncing, you know, (laughs) cause you have to, to, I have to do that to make sure I can hit the beat every time. Um, But it's, uh, it's super, super fun. And it, and, uh, and for me, it's, it's, I don't have a lot of nostalgia with, with the Zelda franchise. I haven't played that much of it, but the, the one that I do have is from the old, some old game boy one links awakening, probably, probably. And this basically feels like that, um, except a rhythm game, a rhythm game. (laughs) It's it's very satisfying. Yeah. And then also, uh, Keanu Reeves, of course, the internet's been exploding with Keanu Mm -hmm. because he's apparently just the best and he's in cyberpunk 2077, which is a big game you may have heard about. Yep. Yep. Um, it's probably going to be absolutely. I still don't know really anything about what the gameplay is. All I know is that Keanu Reeves is in it. Yeah. I, I haven't seen any gameplay. <laughs> I think they did a bunch of closed door sessions with people. Okay. So there's a few, there's a few videos like very briefly floating around, but it's, I mean, I think it's your, it's going to be your usual sort of, uh, open world shooting stuff. And then you hack stuff and whatever else, but just the breadth of possibility apparently is just kind of astounding. Hmm. So, um, it should be very, very fun. Was that going to be an Epic ex- exclusive? No. Was it not? The, okay. I don't think I'm so. trying to remember which ones. I can't remember. It's on Xbox. Oh, is it Xbox? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It is an Unreal Engine game, I think. I have no idea. Or it's cuz I have no idea. Who We're just making stuff up at this point. Uh, and then the other one was Who that knows? Microsoft announced their next console, which is going to be some beast of a thing called currently called Project Scarlet, which is coming out next year. And then... Most interestingly, he was also talking about like their whole thing has been shifting toward this idea of player choice and just saying, you know what? We got good games. We want you to have them wherever you are instead of necessarily just on whatever their hardware is. Of course, except PlayStation. Except PlayStation. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is funny. <laughs> Everyone's got their nemesis. Yeah. You know? So, uh, but they, I mean, they really open stuff up and Halo's coming to Steam, like a bunch of really interesting, weird stuff's happening all of a sudden. So yeah. again, things are weird. 
right now in the industry. Well, and on top of just that, uh, everybody's trying to make a subscription service or a streaming yes. service. Yep. So we all know about Apple Arcade. That happened. We all know about Google Stadia. Mm-hmm. That happened. Uh, Mike, those are both happening, I guess. Hap- it, they're all happening. They are happening. I think they both have launch dates now, right? I don't know. Feels yeah, like, I don't know. I'm pretty sure Stadia. But they're coming one. soon, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, and so – so then what else happened at E3? Microsoft announced they've well, Game got- Pass essentially is, is on PC now also. there's Or there's like a different – I'm not exactly sure. I think there's a different one on there where you can upgrade your plan or whatever else to get right. both. Um, and then essentially like every large developer either announced that they're doing subscription or shortly after the other ones did uh, announced, oh, yeah, we, we're thinking about that too. Even, yeah. even, even Nintendo, Nintendo is sort of – Basically, but streaming, I guess, in their case, streaming, yeah, streaming meaning you don't actually have the game installed on your device; it's on some server, and you sort of yep. you it's see all the game subscription and or streaming. I think Stadia yeah. is doing. Uh, I think when they announced their launch date, they also said they're going to have some sort of a subscription option. Uh, and I would also point out that it seems like Discord is doubling down on their subscription side of things mm. because if you go on Discord now, the store is gone. There is no store. You cannot browse games to purchase mm-hmm. on discord mm, it's just what you have through nitro there is only a nitro tab uh and the only way to buy a game is to first go to that game's discord server and then you can buy the game inside of the server mm-hmm. so one one uh popular uh game on the discord store that i know about that was a, a paid game was descenders the downhill mountain biking game mm-hmm. and so yeah, just to try to see how this was working, I went to look it up and I couldn't find it anywhere. So they added that little server browser thing, little magnifying glass on the mm-hmm. left side. So you click on that, you type in the name of the game that you want, and then they will link you to the Discord server of the game. You go in there, and then on the left side, there's a little like buy Descenders thing. It's mm-hmm. in the channels list. Mm-hmm. So you click on there, and then you see the store page, and you can buy it that way. So essentially – uh. You have to already know the game that you want. Yeah, to be in the community. Right. So, yeah. but Nitro on uh, Discord is their subscription service. Tons, of stuff. and that is, and that is a is an open. It's a storefront, right? Like you can actually browse games there and just find stuff. But you and, just have them all. Yeah, and things get featured and all that. So, so it seems like they so they started as the store with the subscription, and then things didn't things go so out. hot, I guess. And now they're doubling down on the subscription side of things. Um, so it seems like there's a definite future being rolled out here, which is which is one in which subscriptions are very much a part of how all this stuff works. Mm-hmm. And so the question is, how does this? How do we get paid? Yeah, how do we, how do we get paid? How does <laughs> yeah. how does the rest of the industry get paid? How does all this work? Um, and so I think there's going to be some really interesting. Again, we're like we're in a very we're very much in a changing time. I think as far as the mm-hmm. both the independent game sphere and just the games industry generally, but. Um, it seems like there's a there's a change on the wheels. Yeah, and the really interesting thing about all this is is it it seems at least to me personally this seems very supply side driven. Mm. Like I don't I don't really see players banging down the door of big companies being like we want to pay a subscription and just have a bunch of random games that we don't even know what they are, right? Um people have never seemed to have had that much of an issue just like picking a game that they want and Mm-hmm. And buying it, um, so I'm not quite sure where the demand is for these things. But I guess if at a certain point, like if this is just how you get games, then nobody's going to bat an eye at it, you know. Uh, well, I think also subscription models work really effectively because they 
they give you the impression of of unlimited choice. So the value proposition feels very, very good. Feels ridiculous for a consumer. Yeah. You know, pay ten bucks a month and you, you get literally three hundred right? impossible games. number of titles. Well, I mean, think about it too, like how how frustrated and annoyed you get when some some show you want to watch isn't on Netflix, right? It's like mm-hmm. I'm paying whatever it's fifteen bucks a month or whatever is for Netflix, right? Like what fucking right does that give me to every <laughs> every new show and <laughs> movie that ever, ever comes out, right? Uh, but it feels like it should because there's so much stuff so on many. there. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think, I, I think it's, it's not even that it's sort of, it's that whole, uh, if you, people don't know that they want this really. Right. Mm-hmm. So people aren't demanding it because it doesn't seem like the thing that they would want, but the moment that's an easy choice for them to make and they, and they get into an ecosystem, a subscription ecosystem with tons of content, then I think getting back out of it is really, really hard. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. cause the thing is, the truth is that it is an extremely high value proposition as long as whoever owns the content the distribution of the content is able to keep on sourcing really good yeah important stuff right yeah i think it's well it's it's weird i feel like the psychology of it is weird because you go on netflix you watch a show and it's done now and now you go watch the next show right there's a lot of bouncing between movies and shows and whatever and and on something that's just video content the whole point of it is to have a huge breadth of content, right? Like lots of different things to choose from. And then you just, you finish a thing, move to the next, finish a thing, move to the next. And uh, I just don't know. I don't, I don't see people necessarily engaging with games that way. Like people tend to have a game or two or 10 or whatever. That's kind of like their cluster of things that they really like. Um, They play the shit out of those things uh, oftentimes as hobbies over a really long period of time and having access to 299 other games uh, doesn't really necessarily bring a lot to the table. You know? And I think about it in the same – so if you think about something like a subscription MMO, right? Yeah. it is a subscription service actually. Yep. And if you think about it in the exact same way, which is there's a bunch of different activities, essentially you know, mini games that you do in the scope of something like World of Warcraft or, or EVE or anything like that. Where you're paying like 15 bucks a month and any given day when you go in there, you might do might do a lot of combat, you might do some farming, maybe some profession stuff. So you're kind of bouncing around between a few different kind of modes. And But I think it's, it's different, right? Because like it's all about the social side. Mm-hmm. You know, it's about being able to do things with, with your friends or talk about the, the games with your friends. If you just keep playing a different game every day, um, then you're just lonely, right? Because <laughs> uh, I mean, I even yeah. – even, uh, like, like we all have Nitro. Um, and even just yesterday I went on to discord nitro and I was like, I'm going to like, just, I'm going to see, I'm going to get, I'm going to get something, even like I already technically have them all. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was looking through the list and then I ended up playing Slay the Spire, which I already <laughs> have. And I've had, I've played it for a long time because it's a really great game and I just want to keep, I want to, I want to get farther in it. Right. Um, yeah, I think it is. It there's a learning is, curve, right? Like there's yeah, it's definitely true that games ask more of you than, than your movies or other media do. They're hard. They're hard to get into, yeah. actually, because um, they require learning. They require skill. Like yeah, build up of skill. Yeah. And so and it's it's mo- it's it's always know. more fun to do something that you are really good at, mm-hmm. and then like try to get even better than but to know, be bad at something and start over. Because like know? Xbox's Game Pass has gone over very very well, like very effectively. Yeah. And so I don't. Yeah. I, I mean, I definitely think it's the case that there's a large, like very large audience for it. And I think. The big question everyone's asking is not how to serve the current market of people, but how to open up to yet another, you know, 10, 20, 50 million new people who wouldn't necessarily get into games by like buying a $400 console, but would pay 10 bucks to Google Stadia to be able to have access to these yeah. things, right? So 
think that's really where people are trying to angle for. And I don't think it's the case that it'll 100% disrupt kind of what's going on right now. It's just that there's there's a new phase. I think in 10 years happening. time, it probably yeah. will. Yeah. Um, and there's, there's also interesting questions about viability of certain types of games depending on payment structures, right? Yep. So like – Which has always been true, right? I mean certain certain games can't do very well on mobile. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you look at games like you know, Firewatch or Monument Valley or something, which like these are single uh, – they're like one-time playthrough kinds of mm-hmm. games that actually take just a few hours at most, right? Um, and they're meant to almost be like a movie in the yep. sense that you – you go through a very specific set of experiences that the designers wanted you to have. Um, and it's not really about emergent gameplay or like crazy unexpected things happening. It's about a planned narrative. Right. And so you go through that game and you're like, great. I spent my two hours, whatever, uh, got a lot out of it. It was nice. And then you put it down and much like a TV show or a movie, you just move on to the next Mm -hmm. thing. Right. And weirdly like those kinds of things would actually work really well in a subscription service because they're one time and then move on thing. But if if uh, any particular service pays developers based on time spend yeah. in the games, which mm-hmm. I'm sure some of them will you oh, know, yeah. over the next few mm-hmm. years, um, then all of a sudden those kinds of games are completely non-viable in that entire I mean, ecosystem. Even if you look at Steam though these days, like the truth is because of how Steam's algorithm has been shifting around where it does look at this engagement factor way more so than it used to, um, then it is the case that, that – those more one-shot experiences have a much harder time because they're not they don't play well with the algorithm essentially right so uh you know if you look at things like clickers and idle games like they're killing it on steam and the reason is because steam takes quote-unquote engagement into account which is just how long people have the game open and if you just fucking leave it running overnight (laughs) as part of the game um it seems like we gotta we gotta do that in level head yeah well i mean this is the the part that i think is interesting about it is because it all of these forces end up – they do end up shaping what gets made to some degree because of because certain things become more easily su- successful or less easily successful. Oh, yeah. I mean you got to – if you're the if you're playing the business game, then you have to make something that's going to be successful Correct. in the market. So you have to understand what, yeah. are the, what are the forces at play and how to design a thing that, that optimizes those. Yeah. You can't just make something that completely flies in the face of what everybody is doing and what everybody mm-hmm. wants and then be upset that nothing happened, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, so this does this kind of bring up some interesting questions about what we're going to be able to do with Level Head when we reach the full launch, mm-hmm. what our options are, because, you know, that's still a ways off and a lot of things are going to change yeah. uh, between now and then. So I simply don't know. Me neither. But for now, we'll just keep doing, you know, whatever we're currently doing. All right. Well, let's uh, – anything else from E3? Nah. I think that's nope. – it's just an interesting shift. We'll see where it goes. Mm-hmm. All right, let's get on some questions. These questions come from our listeners over at podcast.bscotch.net. Our highest voted question is from Unanimously, which is a great name. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's like when everybody except one person <laughs> participates. Uh-huh. Uh, what was the most interesting software dev problem slash requirement you've come across while making Levelhead? Hmm. Do you have any, Adam, from the website? The most interesting requirement? Or dev requirement. I'm not even 100% sure what this means. Uh, well, I would say probably the most interesting uh, challenge was just one of getting level sizes to be really Tiny. small. Yeah. And I feel like we've gotten the level sizes so small that it's actually dramatically skewed our perception about what it means to to have large files because we've talked about like we don't, <laughs> we're not going to store thumbnail images uh, of a level because an image of almost any size is going to be larger than the entire level. 
by orders of magnitude, yeah. not just larger. Yeah, but like because the average level is one point five kilobytes, mm-hmm. which so now we need like two thousand levels in order to reach the size of like a mid length song MP three file. Yeah, so we're storing thousands of levels for almost free, you know, on mm-hmm. our servers. Um, and that's that was pretty fun to figure out how to do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think for the uh, the mechanism that we ended up using was this thing called. I call it the RCS system, which is try to chunk the level out into rows, columns, and singletons. It's like anytime you have repeats, if you have like a row of 10,000 p- terrain pieces, you just store the, the first position and then you just put a 10,000 after it. You're like, just do that. A bunch. Just do this 10,000 times, mm-hmm. right? So that means you actually use no more data to store 10,000 terrain pieces than to store two. So you basically break the level down into a recipe for how to rebuild it as opposed to the level itself. Yeah, yeah, it's very scrambled. Mm-hmm. If you wanted to try to like take a, a level file and then turn it back out into something you could use, good luck. <laughs> yep, <laughs> good luck with that. that. <laughs> I think uh, the other one's been interesting was uh, was just working more specifically on the console side because you have to do a lot of stuff with saving and loading and mm-hmm. not hitting certain save frequencies where you're actually moving data to the disk. Oh yeah. That's a fun one. Yeah. Because Levelhead is saving and loading files a lot because yeah. we're downloading lots of data from the web and stuff. So that's been, a, that was a tricky one with the yeah. switch, but that's, that's the case on every console. So we did, we already had that with Crashlands. It's cool. We had kind of figured out how to do it, but it was a, it's always just. A yeah. Yeah. There's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of interesting technical limitations that kind of just come from hardware. But yeah, um, yeah I'd say honestly though, the biggest challenges of the game really have just been people problems. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, like for example, that we that we've added a, a requirement in your level that if your level goes below fifteen frames per second for over an entire second, you cannot upload it because a person will make a level that runs like absolute garbage on their machine, like one frame per second, and they'll play through it and beat it and still say to themselves, "I want other people to experience this." <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. And so we have to put a limitation on that, you know, um, and developing moderation systems and reporting systems and ways for us to then easily engage with those. Um, th- those are always the the real problems of any kind of or the sticky game ones, project. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. You guys have any others? Yeah. I mean, not really. I guess I can't even think of just individual problems because there's just been this endless sequence of small things. You know? Yeah, none of them have for, been overwhelmingly difficult. No, um, they've just been lots of little little things to figure out. Yeah, it's just been a lot. Yeah. All right, let's go on to the next question. Next question comes from Devo. You mentioned your PR team on a podcast in the past. Is that a team you contract out to? What sort of things do you look for in a PR team? Yeah. So yeah, we we worked with a PR team that we did contract out to, and we found them by we were walking around the PAX show floor, PAX West last year, and. Went up to talk to some devs like we we do. We like to basically just go kind of uh, shoot the breeze with people between their demos and stuff to just talk shop briefly and meet new people. And one of the teams we were talking to, um, one of the guys in the back was clearly just like having a bunch of meetings while I was talking to the guy who's in the front. And I was like, hey, how did you get all these press meetings? And he's like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, our PR team to got, it, got it all put together for us. And I was like, what? Because, of course, the last time we went to PAX, you know, I sent out, I think – 300 emails to people to try to get press appointments and we got none and so i was like what clearly they know something we don't know and sure enough they did which was basically that you need to be sending those emails out the day that the that the press list goes live not anytime thereafter because they literally book up within a day or two and so we we chat a little bit and i was like can you give me the you know, the name here your people and he's like yeah and so contacted them 
talk shop a little bit and then hopped into it. And so they're really good on the on basically the fact that all of them come from the journalism side of games. And so they're just they know people, they're networked in. They also work in that industry, so they know what works and what doesn't work and that sort of thing. So um it's been it's been a it's been interesting in terms of like seeing all the things that we sort of clamoring around from the outside were figuring out and sort of us, you know, striking in the dark sort of way. And how they just have streamlined yeah. tools and processes yeah. to And you can see, I mean, it. it's just the benefit of like, we've talked about before, the really hard part about launching games is the fact that you only get to launch one every X number of months or X years. And the difference when you work with a team that just launches them literally every week has another game that they're launching um, means that they have a lot, they tend to have a lot more context about how these things work. Uh, that said, it is interesting seeing like just Levelhead in particular, like we've talked about before in terms of trying to get press, the timing of it has been just rough for us because of because of E3, because of Mario Maker, all this other stuff. And so it's not been super successful on that front. But well, it's not been successful at all would be. Yeah, it hasn't been. Would be accurate. <laughs> um, but the the sort of the actual process by which that outreach happens is, I think, still perfectly fine and reasonable. It's just sort of not striking the rubber at this point. So I don't know. We'll yeah, see what happens. presumably. As we get closer to launch, it'll start to stick more. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's been it's been very difficult to get people to pay attention to an early access game. Yep. I mean, difficult, I mean, apparently impossible. <laughs> so we'll just keep jamming on that. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so we we may we I don't really know what our PR plan is uh, uh, for launch time in terms of like what we'll do for contracting or if we'll do it ourselves or any of that. But we'll figure that out. Yep. So. Uh, next question comes from Maximilio. One interesting idea I've gotten from the podcast is generally the acceptance of a certain amount of grind loops and number watching slash increasing like WoW does. And there's valid reasons for this, like slowly teaching players concepts. Someone like Jonathan Blow, on the other hand, completely disagrees with this, that it wastes and does not respect the player's time. His The Witness involves a lot of time intensive stuff, but the grind happens in the player's head. How do you feel about John's view? So The Witness mm. is a game where Jonathan Blow put 600 line puzzles on an island. Mm-hmm. That itself, spoiler, has line puzzles. Yeah. Like the island right. does. Um, yeah, I think, I guess it, he, he has an issue with, with the fact that you use numbers to get the same effect as you do with a skill. To me, this is what it is. To me, it seems like an, arbit- like an arbitrary distinction. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think... And I think the idea of of wasting or not respecting the player's time, you know, we think about the the ends, which is what's the point of your game? And it's to give the player a sense of growing mastery and pride in the things that they are achieving in the game, right? And there are lots of different ways to do that. And I think it's weird to pick some of them and call them valid, I guess, or, mm-hmm. or, uh, or, or, and pick others and call them a waste of time when really they're all just doing the same thing. It's just expressed, uh, differently. Yeah. So. I mean, in a broader sense, cause the question is like what it's weird to, to, to also, I think, uh, focus on that within the realm of games because games as a pastime are a way to enjoy your time. Right. So it's like, you're not. I don't, you're I not just, going for efficiency here. You're yeah, going, <laughs> I, I guess I don't know what this idea. Of it's not about productivity. Um, yeah, and I mean, you could say the same thing about pretty much anything, right? So, like, if you watch a movie and you're like, "Oh, I know what kind of movie this is. I've seen, I've seen romantic comedies mm-hmm. before." Like, let's just, you know, this is really not respecting my time. Let's just cut to the end where the guy and the girl get together and mm-hmm. we can just move on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's not really the point of the exercise of watching that movie. It's it's enjoyment in the process. And different uh, players have 
different things that they like, right? So some people do actually get um, a lot of a lot of uh, enjoyment and sense of growth and stuff, even from just like leveling up a character and getting a new skill. Mm-hmm. Um, some people are more skill focused, people who like Rocket League and that kind of a thing. But it's all valid, you know? Yeah, I think, so, I mean, it, it, there's always a tendency for people to, when you, when you get really good at doing a particular thing or you find a method by which to be successful in a market like this, um, to, to start in various ways claiming that that's the only way to do it. That's the only legitimate way to do it, right? Um, and yeah, that's just not true. Like we were talking about clickers earlier. Like clickers are a huge, a huge market on, on every single one of these. You know what the thing is about clickers? They're fun as fuck. They are super fun. <laughs> and if you ask the question, they like, burn out really fast. Yeah. But, but while the, you're playing them, you're just like, yes, I'm making so many cookies. So the more interesting question is why is this so fun? And then is there a way you can pull that same level of like gratuitous instant funness out of a clicker and put it into something like, uh, you know, combat in a game or something like a puzzle situation? Um, I don't think, yeah, I think kind of slicing and dicing it based on types of fun is just – it doesn't make any sense. It doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's actually, actually deciding what aspects are are a waste of time versus are not, right? Because it's a little patronizing of the player gets to decide what they want to do yeah, with their it's time. Because any any time spent can be a waste of time. Oh yeah. Frankly, all time spent is a waste of time. Death comes to us. We're all just waiting to, to die, you know? <laughs> so so deciding that walking. If the player's between, already playing a game, they've already decided what they want to do with their time. Yeah. Uh, and it's fine, whatever they want to do. Yeah, because you, you can make the same argument. It's like it's like in The Witness. The Witness is a series of puzzles that takes place on an island, et cetera, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, why have the island there? Why why waste the player's time by making them walk? And why 600? Puzzles? How about 50? Yeah, you know, just let's cut that down. <laughs> seems like a lot. I got, I'm busy. I'm a busy guy. I need my puzzle solving yeah. to be yeah. streamlined and efficient. And it's funny because like, I know some people come down on Jonathan Blow for doing, saying stuff like this. I actually saw him. Uh, I saw a clip of him playing Forager. Oh yeah, he's he started playing it. He he acquired some crafting materials and then went to like turn them into something. And he goes, "Oh, well, I feel like I've played the whole game now. <laughs> it's one of those games, right?" Which so, is, but the thing is, like, sure, yeah, like, we, who, who we all know it's a crafting. Yeah, game. we all know it's a crafting. Yeah, game. but even then, even then, I mean, just just because a game starts similar to other games you've seen doesn't mean you get to decide that the rest of it isn't. Isn't going to be any different, right? Because you don't know. But, but I think it's uh, also the case. That, but it also forger is. It is forger. It, but I mean, it is but, also the case that that as a designer, the more the more fluent you get in game design, the more likely it is when you pick up a game that within ten to fifteen minutes you're going to say, "Oh, I know what this is," because you do. You do know what it is. But the whole the idea that that somehow is like, well, you can't say that with frog fractions. No, you don't. <laughs> frog fractions out of control. <laughs> but the idea that that's bad, it's like it, it, these fall into genres, right? So if you if you start the first five minutes of a thriller, yeah, like you were saying earlier, and you were like, oh, I know how thrillers work. I don't need to watch the rest of this. I mean, it, it, it is kind of this what, you know, whatever thing. I think people do come down on Jonathan Blow for just airing his opinions about these things. But I I think it's fun because, like, he's, he's at least causing some of these conversations. Yeah. Stuff. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, like, I know people get weirdly, like, agitated about it. But I'm like, what? He's, it's fine. Like yeah. he's just a guy talking about stuff, and it provides these interesting points for people to have discussions around. Um, I met him at Dice two years ago. Mm-hmm. Perfectly nice dude. Like he's just a dude. Yeah. He's got and some I, opinions. And, yeah. about and I mean, stuff. he's he's a fantastic game designer. Yeah. Um, he probably hates our games. Oh yeah, I bet he one hundred percent does. Yeah, but that's fine. I'm not. It, <laughs> also, like, it's just fine. also I bet he hates almost all games. <laughs> yes. Could be. Could be. Uh, I think the, the point is like. He's, it's fine. It's a fine opinion. People man. who are people <laughs> yeah. who are outspoken in the industry, or who just actually take the time to, of course, in a more constructive way, you know, have uh, 
produce their own opinions about how design should work, whatever else. Um, they're providing some interesting meat for the for like the whole industry to kind of chew on and then and then argue about in the public discourse that then happens because it I think does have value. So well, and there are some valid questions to that to the idea of of respecting a player's time. Mm-hmm. The problem is there there isn't a way to do it, right? Correct. But there are ways to do a worse job of it. Um, so that depending on the game experience you're trying to create, if part of that game experience is just to keep people in your game, which actually is a design philosophy, especially in mobile titles, um, but also just in modern titles in general, because the idea is you want to keep people in your game spending money so they don't go elsewhere. Um, then you might play all kinds of tricks that their whole purpose is to keep the person in the game. That's, that's, that is the purpose and that's it. Um, and so I can see an argument to be made there that that's not a good thing. Yeah, but I mean, it 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 applies to every single game in, in the same. It sort does, of way. yeah, because it's it like does. so. I, I was playing some more Breath of the Wild this weekend, and like you got to go collect a bunch of critters and stuff mm-hmm. to mix up with to make your potions to keep yourself basically alive in various contexts. And you know what? After playing the game for twenty hours, I don't want to go chase down a bunch of crickets in a field. Yep. You know. I don't feel particularly <laughs> respected by the creators. Of if only there was some kind of an idle game mechanic where you could build a thing that yes. slowly accumulates Honestly, more crickets I would over time. 100% believe it. <laughs> because that, farm that part of the game farm. I actually cannot make progress on. Yeah. In the sense that in that sort of meaningful, like I can now make yeah, more powerful, grind. more potions all the time. Yeah. Um, but I get the I get the purpose of it in the scope of the whole thing, which is it it, refor- it routinely reinforces. The fact that you're in the world and you have to yeah. do these worldly things like eat food, right? Yeah, but not, not only that, but like – And that survival is just a thing that you'd have to do in real life sucks. Yeah, it's tedious. Yeah. But it's I, tedious. I also think that downtime in some games is important for reflection. It is. You yeah. know, like ha- having having time to to travel from one place to another with actually not very many things happening yeah. can be a very – it can be a useful game mechanic. This goes back yeah. to what we talked yeah. about with the, the UX discussion from a few weeks ago, right? Yeah. Like – Maybe in Jonathan Blow's case with The Witness, you know, yeah, it's there's a bunch of puzzles. And so you'd be like, why is why am I on an island? Mm-hmm. Why why does this whole thing exist? When the reality is like if you solve a puzzle and then you're walking a little bit to see something else, that's probably useful in terms of how your brain operates yep. when it comes to puzzle solving shit. Yeah, right? but also and of course in, in this case there's there's a lot more going on because yeah. like the walk itself is part of the puzzle and you know, there's all kinds of stuff going on. Um yeah, so because I don't actually believe that like that game would be improved. By mm-hmm. you know changing it just into a series, it would just be yeah. a different game. It would just be a different, just a different game. game. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, it's it's all useful. But I, yeah, I think it's all as long as as long as players are getting out of the game what they need, then mm-hmm. it's cool. Yeah. Uh, next question comes from that rumpus. Over the lifetime of the studio, is there a particular basket you're happy you put a few eggs into just in case? Something that may or may not have paid off, but you're glad it was there. Whoa. Over the course of the studio's seven years, putting eggs in some baskets. I think the biggest thing, the biggest surprise for us has been the extent to which those relationships with the platforms themselves have mattered, I think. Um, I mean, you anticipated a little bit, but I think the reality of it was something that I did not personally anticipate, where it was like, oh, yeah, just just getting a chance to sit down and, and chat with you know your Apple reps or your Google reps or whatever else at GDC once a year, um, having a good time with them, you know, making them laugh about stuff and then showing them your games. Like the extent to which that is holding down our business in a really important way, I think was, was kind of something I never really, I just didn't think that that would be the thing. I thought it was us versus the market in a lot of ways. And I didn't realize that we had some, we got some various buddies in, in corners, mm-hmm. as long as you go put the time and energy into getting them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 
though still is kind of us versus the market. It is very much. <laughs> yeah, I, I think also so B Scotch ID slash Rumpus yeah. was one of those um it, it came it came around to solve a very specific problem, which was the idea of bringing users from one game to another, right? So saying like we launched Quadrus Rampage, we get a couple million players, time to launch the next game. Where are those people? How do we talk mm-hmm. to them? How do we get them into the new game, right? Um and so B Scotch ID was our our answer to that. And we but we kind of realized like, well, in order to get people to sign into this thing so that we can now reach out to them, we need to offer some value. We can't just be like, what's your email address? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so so the necessity of that caused us to develop all kinds of other uh, web technology, which then led to Crashlands cross-platform cloud save system, um, which has now opened the door for Rumpus and all the and actually the level entire head. basis of yeah. Levelhead, right? Mm-hmm. So that was one of those it, like in, investing in just having a dedicated web dev, which is Adam, like that turned into just an entire oh, yeah. backbone of the studio. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which has yielded nice. all kinds of interesting technical solutions and, you know, and like the fact that we can even make level head as a UGC yep. game and all that kind of stuff. Um, on the other hand, though, it did not really result in the original intent, which was to be able yep. to convert prior uh, purchases of our games into future purchases of our mm-hmm. games. Um and I, think, like I don't the, think we talked about this on the podcast yet, but when yeah. we when we did our launch our our Levelhead launch day newsletter blast, which went out to uh, I think a hundred thousand people, it was opened by like fifty thousand, something like that. Which those numbers sound like a lot, um, but the conversion rate into people buying Levelhead was so low. <laughs> <laughs> you might as well have I, honestly, we might as well have not sent That's that newsletter. Yep. Um, and so that was. So I think that's part of this answers this question nicely, actually, because this is like we put our eggs in this basket. It paid off in all kinds it of ways. It paid off in a lot and of interesting ways. Not the way that we built it. Right. For. <laughs> yeah. So, so that's been really interesting. And, and actually, the, the the fact that it hasn't paid off in that way has allowed us to kind of step back from some of our our really strong, uh, uh, I guess, principles about how we were going to treat this mm. thing in our studio and so on. Because the idea there was, if we're going to launch a game, it has to have. You know, it has to have Rumpus or Beastcatch ID in it. Like that was now a requirement. And so, if, we, if somebody else wanted it on a new platform, and they were like, "Well, we don't like this. We don't want this in here," then we would have to say no to them, mm-hmm. right? Because uh, that hurt us in the long term. Because hurt us in the long term would be the idea. And or if somebody said, "Oh yeah, we we love this, but uh, it needs to be like locked to our system because we don't like third party, mm-hmm. you know, IDs or whatever." Yeah. Uh, now, so we can ask the question: Like, now that we know that those email addresses are basically do not convert into, into future sales. Mm. Uh, then we get to actually entertain the question of, okay, well maybe we can make this a little more convoluted to satisfy the people who actually do sell the games, which is the store, you know, the storefronts. Um, Although with, with level head now, the, the question comes down to, if we do bring the game to a new platform, can people still sign into their same account? Yeah. Because if not, then that becomes problematic. Yep. Cause, cause we still, we still strongly believe in cross platform as a, as right. A cause like if you, if you have published 50 levels and you've got a hundred subscribers on level head and you've got a, 10 weeks of playtime generated. You got all this cool stuff going on and then you jump onto some other device and now you've got nothing. Yep. You're, you're even, you're just a different person now, right? You've got no levels published, mm-hmm. nothing, no, no favorites, nothing. Yep. That sucks. So we're, yeah. we're taking a pretty hard stance on that um, yep. wherever we can. But the uh, systems themselves just wouldn't actually have to be the same, you know? So it, I don't know, it, mm-hmm. it makes the thing a little bit more, it sort of weirdly gives us a little more freedom and flexibility to be constrained. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. That's what so, life life's all about. So yeah. Yep. yeah, it's been interesting. Um, yeah, anything else? No. What's some stuff that is there anything that we 
it would have been good if we put some eggs into that turns out uh turns out we didn't i think we took some eggs out of our basket over the past year or so basically all of level heads development we just sort of backed away from involvement with the broader industry yeah, we just like put our heads That's down. True. We really focused our, a lot on giving GDC talks and trying to do those yeah, kinds previously. of things. Yeah. And we kind of just walked away from all of that. Um, and I think a consequence of that has been that our our pulse on the industry has been weaker, I guess, than mm-hmm. otherwise would have been. So we, we weren't quite as aware of just how much things have been shifting basically until we went to GDC. Yeah. And then talked to everybody again. And, and yeah. all of a sudden we were like, oh, fuck. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it is currently a nightmare hellscape. Yeah. And we weren't quite. Yeah. Honestly, yeah. GDC this year was a was a shock. Yep. Um, just, just in terms of hearing just how hard of a time people are having uh, using the old models of sell, basically just selling games, mm-hmm. right? And that's but just, even even the old models of free to play are also yeah. not working. Yeah, uh, yeah. So many of the people who who a few years back were making very comfortable livings now are on their last pennies and trying to figure out like what the fuck do we do? <laughs> yeah. um, and so, or they're churning out games at a rate of like one a month because the thing that matters most and for a certain kind of of business mm-hmm. model is it has now become having more, as many new games as possible. Right? Yeah. Um, yeah, and so we've really been, weird, and we even talked to people on. who who switch to a model of like make as many games as possible, pump out a game a month, and then have every game that you make have like a ten dollar a week subscription in it. Yeah, mm-hmm. which, so the model seems to be just hope people forget. Hope subscribe. people subscribe, <laughs> but then like thinking maybe they're buying it in a purchase and then forget. Yep. Yep. that it keeps billing them for the next. Which six at months. that point, I mean, as soon as the as soon as you get a moment where you can think in that sort of context. That's where the stuff caves in because you're yep. like, I didn't get into this so that people could forget that they were paying me money. <laughs> yeah. you know? like, it's not the, yeah. exactly the point. Yeah. So this is what we mean when we say the industry has been, been in a really weird spot and kind of shaking up in a lot of ways. And I think like you're right that we, we very much went into sort of a cave mode for the last year and a half or so. Mm-hmm. Um, Which is cool because Levelhead came out of that. Oh, yeah. But I mean, on the downside, now that we have Levelhead, we're looking at it and we're, we're like, like, how the fuck like, do we sell this? How do we <laughs> – what do we do with this thing? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> yep. Yeah, because had we been paying more attention, we might have realized at that time that being able just to sell the game, um, the same way we did with Crashlands, was was maybe not so viable. At least on mobile, particularly. At least on mobile, even, but even on even on Steam, Steam's wild too. Now. Yeah, everything's yep. just weird. Everything's wild. Uh, I don't know what to do. Mm-hmm. So, next question. So we're, well, we are putting our eggs back in that basket. I guess is the yeah. short answer. Yeah. We're, paying, we're paying more attention. We're starting to write. Some Gamma Sutra articles and that sort of thing. Yeah, get back into it. We'll probably submit some talks for GDC again this year. It's yep. as, as horrible and stressful as doing, as actually creating those talks is. Oh, that's the worst. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it's, I think it's important that we just keep our faces visible mm-hmm. um, in, in the broader industry so that we don't forget who other people are. We don't miss out on opportunities to, to chat with people and get a better pulse on the industry. Um, and yeah. Yeah. So we'll just uh, – you'll maybe see more of us out there mm-hmm. over yep. the next year. Uh, next question comes from Chelosis. What are your thoughts on self-improvement versus self-acceptance? Uh, <laughs> here's here's how, how here's how I maybe we need put some it. definitions. It's I I have a okay. So the the, the main problem that that you can get with self-acceptance, which and I'm not saying you shouldn't have self-acceptance. I'm saying there's a certain type that you need. Because if you think about pure, just like I accept things as they are, right? Then you basically have no incentive to improve, mm-hmm. right? Right. You've stopped 
believing that that's a yeah. thing that's going to happen. Right. So, so what I have done in my, in my life in general for all aspects of my life is have accepted my need for improvement. Oh shit. Right. Mm. Because this is saying, I'm not so like, you just judoed this thing. Right. Cause I've got, I've got like, I've got a little more fat on my gut than I want. Right. But I'm not upset by this. Right. But I also don't accept it. Mm. See what I'm saying? Okay, you, the basic point is you can actually do both simultaneously. <laughs> you can do both. And I think you have to do both. Otherwise, you, well, you can say otherwise basically, you just disintegrate. Every dimension of your well, life you really, You should just be happy about existing. Yep. Get to a point where you're like, like, like I said, accepting yourself as you are mm-hmm. while also recognizing there are some things you want to improve. Yeah. And working towards. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So it's the idea that these things are not actually. They're, they're, they're not, not versus. Yeah. 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 It's saying, uh, I feel pretty good about all these different things. It would be cool if I felt even better. About it. <laughs> <laughs> and I think, and I think the acceptance phase, like the pure acceptance phase, has to has to be joined with the reality of what's available yeah. to you, right? So, so I think when it comes to self acceptance, you can. I think that the part where it's just pure acceptance is you say, like, who is the person that I that I truly could be and want to be, and you accept that person, right? So. If you so so most people do not have a build in terms of like their body structure that would allow them for be for them to even ever under any circumstances look like the kind of people you see on TV right um, for most people that's literally impossible um, yet most people those same people almost all people uh, still believe that like there's something bad about them because they want because because they are not that and that that they that that's something that they can like work towards and should be working towards sort of all at the same time right. Um, when that's actually not it at all. Like what, what you actually need is to figure out where do I, it's like in my case, like I'm never going to have a rippling six pack. That's not, that's not going to be me. That's true of pretty much everybody. That's true of everybody. <laughs> but it's also Unless a thing that like, you get your body fat down to like 5%. Right. Which, which, which is pretty, very yeah, exactly. exactly yeah. Right. Uh, like, but there, there are certain things about, and I'm never going to be a person who like, uh, who say, uh, can write epic poetry. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm never, I'm never going to be a kind of person who does like a, a long, long, long laundry list of things. Uh, and some of those is because I've just, because of time limitations, which is just that maybe in some other path I could go down that one, but like I'm going down this other one. I don't have the time to do all those things. Right. Other ones are because things are just completely inaccessible. You know, like I, I can't get my hair back. I'm never mm-hmm. going to be a guy with glorious hair. Right. right. That's never going to happen. Cause I'm already, it's already very sparse. Mm-hmm. Right. Uh, and so and no matter how many hair ups you do. It just doesn't matter. <laughs> and so, so when it comes to acceptance, like I accept myself as a person who is losing their hair, right? Because that is unchangeable. That's mm-hmm. just a fact, right? I've, and I accept that. Don't feel bad about it at all. Uh, well, some people would say, though, there's implants, there's surgery, there's Yeah, drugs, exactly. And, if, like, and if that's the thing that you want, right? Yeah, you can go do it. You, you can, can go do you it. You can go do it. But I think – but the well, – It's about your values. It's about, about you saying values. like, I'm okay with this. Like this is not something that matters to me. Yeah. So mm-hmm. I'm going to make the best of it. And then it's fine. Yeah. I think the thing is also it's it's really a constant conversation because the reality is that whenever you, you know, we've talked a lot about like the quest for gains, for example, that we did a couple of years ago. Um, you know, I put on like fifteen pounds of, of muscle meat at that point. But the funny thing was, of course, it took an hour and a half a day. Mm-hmm. And you know what? After well, I am the entire rest of the time, you're eating. Yeah, and I was just eating, so I wasn't exactly <laughs> comfortable. But and you're not eating for pleasure; you're just eating. No. You're like I so you're protein. tracking your protein. What happened yeah. immediately afterward? after I sort of hit that benchmark of the thing that I was really trying to improve on was I took, again, step back and I was like, okay, where, where's everything at? And the reality was like, I had other stuff I wanted to improve on. And so I would accept the fact like, okay, yeah, this is kind of where I'm at on the fitness side of things now. But that has made a reality such that these other things have fallen by the wayside. So yeah. I'm going to go over there and kind of, you know, 
because yeah, you can't either. be you can't be at max in all dimensions, yeah. right? Um, you have to you have to choose the ones that that you value the most. Yeah, and recognize that they ebb and flow over time, right? So like yep. you, you pick one for now, and then you know reconvene later on and see if there's a more appropriate one to switch into mm-hmm. as time goes on. I think if you, if you ever get stuck in a rut where you're like, I have to be at max in this one thing literally all the time, mm-hmm. um, I think that's maybe where you kind of get into some burnout stuff, regardless of what the thing is, whether yeah. it's even like family stuff or fitness or work or whatever else. As soon as there's just one and that's just always been the one. Mm-hmm. So Dude, maybe it's you know. that just, I guess when it comes to acceptance, uh, it mostly comes down to the question of what matters to you and what your goals are. Mm-hmm. Because if you do want to be the best you can be in a certain area, then self-acceptance isn't really a thing. Well, it's not even right? the best you can be because here's the other important fact, which is no dimension in your life is static, right? So if you just accept yourself for like the fitness level you have, mm-hmm. guess what? Death comes to us all. Yep. Right. You're going to be less <laughs> fit. You're going to be less you're fit. Dead. You, well, you're less, no, I'm just saying you're less fit daily, right? <laughs> because you're aging. Right? Yeah, that's true. Um, so you got to so, keep battling time. So you have to keep battling time, right? And so, so I think, and I think this is why it's important. Well, that, or if you just stop exercising, you're like, I'm fit. I'm fit enough, right? Or, or if it. you decide, like, I like, I'm never going to be a fit person, so I'm not going to exercise, right? That doesn't work either because now you're going to be a continuously less fit person because mm-hmm. that's how aging works, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so this this is why I think the point like. That I like to think of it as just accepting that you have to always be improving. That you have to always be improving yep. because the fact is, time is time is murdering you along every dimension. Right? It's mm-hmm. making you dumber. It's making you worse. The things that you don't do every day. <laughs> time is time is just like it's, and everybody else just keeps moving forward. So if if you yeah, even maintain this is something we were kind of talking about over the weekend is this idea that you know, we're we're seven years in to the life of this studio. I guess six and a half in terms of us actually doing it full time. Yeah. Um, and I think earlier on we had this idea that like at some point, yeah, we'd be really good. We could just sell games at some point. We're going to hit this threshold where like our games are so good. Uh, we get tons of great reviews. We've got Mm -hmm. a huge player base. We got a huge email newsletter. Every game is more successful than the last. Every game is more successful than the last. And we hit this point where like, we just launch a game, get tons of, of income off of it. And so, and we're just gravy, you know. And at any point, it's just like at a certain point, it's just easy now, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have checked all the boxes in terms of like what we thought would happen. Like we got half a million people in our newsletter, and like mm-hmm. we've got game of the year from Crashlands and lots of players and stuff like that. And here we are, three and a half years out from Crashlands with the best game we've ever made, with the best game we've ever made, and nobody fucking knows about it. Right? <laughs> um, and not only that, but but we don't know how to sell it because in the past few years, everything is changing, right? There's subscriptions yep. now, there's streaming, there's like, and even, and you can still sell stuff on mobile, but it's not working anymore. Mm-hmm. So maybe we have to go back to free to play on yep. like, we don't really know what, what's happening. And yeah. it's just not, you just don't get to lock time where it is and no. be like, I figured it out now and I'll just keep doing things this way. Nope. Uh, and then, but the nice thing yeah. too, then is that if there, if there is some dimension along which you want to make sure you don't decay, you know, it actually most things decay slowly. Yeah, it, you know? it doesn't, so take it doesn't much actually time. take that. So even yeah. even with like let's say like fitness, right? It's just one of those things. Like if you just eat a little bit less year over year mm-hmm. and exercise a little bit more, mm-hmm. and when I say a little bit more, I mean like add or add, just, add or, some steps to your daily walk. Like it doesn't take much, right? Uh, you can offset that curve 
Um, yeah, you check your well, Apple actually. Watch and you're like, I'm 3% more dead this month than I was six months ago. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So, so I'll just 3% walk more steps. A little bit right. more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, there's no easy <laughs> formula. Tells you that, like, we don't, right? we don't yeah, know that formula sure. is, right? But I think the thing is, like, you can just tell because of how you feel day, day after day, right? And, and, yeah, I think it's this this obsession we have with being able to fix everything instantly and being able to be like be the best. And if the if you're not the best, then you might as well be the worst. All this kind of you stuff. You just have like, to recognize it's just crazy. As a person, you can't be optimized. No, but also the That's important you, you can't read. You you're not a machine. You're not going to just no. be the productive uh, factory of of mm. progress. No, but Every, the important thing is do, always getting harder. All is, <laughs> but all you have to do to offset that is just do a little bit better all the time, mm-hmm. right? Um, because yeah, we, we all want to be like, I want my ideal body, you know, right now I'm going to go like, I'm going to go exercise right now. make this happen. I'm going to diet. Like, no, don't do any of that. Eat a little bit less every day. Mm-hmm. Exercise a little bit more every day and then do that for 10 years. Yeah. Right? <laughs> and now, and now here you are 10 years later, you're feeling fucking great. And you've got the ideal body for your 45 year old self. That's not going to sell any of these, uh, health and diet. This might be our this might be our problem with being able to sell things. You know, honesty. We, we get too, <laughs> too real. You know, like Levelhead. We didn't we didn't promise anything that wasn't in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know? Yeah, we didn't no man's sky. We didn't no man's sky. No man's sky. Yeah. That shit. That was a real problem. <laughs> Can we call it an MMO? I think we should call it an MMO. I We've already would. had one person upset that it says co op because to them. That, that means meant. online co-op. Mm, That's true, but that didn't I cause us to sell care. any. <laughs> <laughs> but that didn't cause us to sell any extra copies for some reason. Yeah, so no. that's very frustrating. So we're not not so we are apparently lying on accident, but not good enough. So we gotta we gotta work on that. Yeah, no, the, we're the really lying on accident on that one. That one was just a confusion. No, I mean, on their it's part. a funny conversation because like the reality is like the the market is simply a hard one, and we're launching at a bad time. Yeah, that is those are just the two facts. That's a it. really bad time, actually. Yeah, yeah. Really rough timing for us. Yep. But it doesn't. Which is hilarious because it, I mean, if you think about if you think about what happened was like mm-hmm. the Mario Maker announcement came out and we we're like, oh shit, we got we have to launch this game now, right? Because this is the only good time. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the the I think the the reasoning was still perfectly valid. No, it was, it it was good reasoning, up. and it very well may actually have been the best time. Yeah, it was just still also it was just still a really also bad time. really really bad. Yeah. So. You know, uh, I don't know. Can we wrap up the question? What do we think? Self improvement versus self acceptance. Accept the need for self improvement. Do both. Just keep keep trying to get better at the things that matter to you, and it's fine. Yeah, just quit quit making it about you. You know what I mean? I don't know what you mean. Both, <laughs> like, both, both of those words have the self in them. I'm yeah, but, really this is, but this is the thing: is everyone's always like, I I'm a failure because I'm overweight, or I'm a failure because I don't know how to do this, or whatever. It's like no, just accept the need to improve. That's it. It's not about like you're you're not like a, a shitty person because of any of those things or whatever. I think we need to bring in the wisdom of Carta from Crashlands. Mm. Mm-hmm. Carta, the map maker, uh-huh. the map maker who has the rightus in his wing bones. Yep, and he can't fly anymore, so mm-hmm. he needs you to go make his maps for him. Yep. Carta said, "You can't get where you're going if you don't know where you are." Wise words. Yeah, that's right. So if you can't accept where you're at, then how are you gonna how are you gonna grow? Mm-hmm. Yep. I think we'll leave it at that. Yeah. Good job, Carta. Uh, you you don't right. want to leave it at, it's not about you. It's not about you. <laughs> I swear, I swear, because my wife and I have had this conversation too about even like, you know, interpersonal conflicts and uh, and with anything. It's if you take, if you just as a person take a step back and just think, this isn't about me, right? Whether it's an interpersonal thing, like it's, a, it's an internal thing or whatever. If you have that thought, 
all of a sudden, like the world becomes a little clearer because like you're just making too much of a big fucking deal about it. That is you're making it about yourself. Because then the follow up question is, what is it about? Yeah, exactly. So if you say, you know, like I, if someone's really behavior bumps, is upsetting you and it and now and now like my favorite art quote, it's not about you. This is, you know? Beware of self-important shapes, which is it when you're drawing a piece <laughs> of art, if uh-huh. you have a shape that's just got too much shit going got on, too much shit going on, uh-huh. get it out of there because it's it's just it takes it. It, it just it thinks, thinks it knows what's going. It thinks it's the point of the whole piece. Yeah. So, it's, it's, so it's, it's it kind of like, about the shape. So like yeah. it draws the eye away from the, yeah. the whole yeah. piece, and now you can't actually get what you. It's need. a good. It's a good phrase, I think, just for life generally. Yeah, beware of self-important shit. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. It's true. Yeah, because it's not about you. So all right. So just to kind of so I can kind of wrap my mind around this a little bit before we wrap it uh-huh. up. Uh. So if if I say like man sucks that I don't know C plus plus because I don't yeah and then you get down on yourself yeah because that's all, the thing because that's what most that's what almost everybody does is yeah. they don't stop I there. do it exactly yeah. that's what I'm saying almost everybody mm-hmm. and I'm bumming I'm bumming around uh, I've got my scheduled mope from yep. one to three p.m. that's yep. gonna be happening um, and then I've got a a cry plan from five fifteen to five twenty three about this that's my plan of attack so. Uh, it's, but it's not about me. Mm-hmm. So what is it about? How do we, how do I turn my mope into? Because <laughs> <laughs> it's not about it's not about you. As in, like, there's nothing wrong with you, right? It's not that you don't know C plus plus. So you're saying is like, who it's gives fine. a shit? It's fine. It's fine that you don't know C plus plus. Yeah. The question is, do you want to learn C plus plus? And if the answer is yes, then go fucking learn C plus plus. You know, take that mope and time out and do something. It's not like about it. you. So. You know what I mean? But it kind of is. Right? Nah, it's not. This is what I was trying to get at. <laughs> it literally like, is about you. Because, like, I don't know C++. And that sucks for me because I want to know C++ mm-hmm. so that I can do stuff with it. Yep. It seems a lot like. Sure, but why are you sad about it? Uh, because because again, so, like, because you're making about you as a being, right? You're like right. everything think, was about. It was like it was like I suck at this. I, I think I, regardless I, I, of, yeah. of the I'm weird, just, I'm, I'm playing devil's advocate. No, but I get right? it. Yeah. No, I get it. Because yeah. you're correct. That, that's yeah. that's the attitude that people take. I think Adam's point is, regardless of the question of the self involvement or not, <laughs> is that you don't have to be sad about it. That's it. You right. don't have to be sad about the fact that you are able to witness your own lack in certain arenas. Because, no, because you need to be able to. Yeah, you need to be able to. So it's fine. Yeah. Otherwise, you're too that, self-important. Oh, yeah. you know, if you don't nice. recognize your flaws. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was wrapping but up again. Then. Just, quick, right. just, just trying just, to. All right, <laughs> all right. We'll wrap it up there. Yeah, just wrap it up. <laughs> all right. Well, everybody can just think about that. We'll, we'll figure it out. All right. Thank you all for listening. Uh, we'd like to thank our producers, Fat Bard and Jen Coster, for making things sound good and run smoothly. Thanks to our community moderators who keep our Discord running. To get more involved in the Butterscotch community, just go to podcast.bscotch.net. We've got merch, links to the community Discord. Actually, no, we don't have merch anymore. I got to delete that. It's oh, gone. Yeah. Merch is gone. Mm-hmm. You missed your. You missed the boat. You missed the gone boat forever. Uh, we also have a way for you to donate uh, to support the podcast and links to the archives. So thank you all for listening, and we'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye.